Hello friends, I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam, I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church and I'm so glad that you have joined us today as we're going to have a bonus teaching today in our series about following the Spirit's lead. In just a few moments I'm going to share with you a teaching called The Spirit Leads Us to Share the Gospel and it's going to be a great day. Before we do anything, I want to invite you to pray with me as we invite God's Spirit to lead us together as we think about how He wants to lead us to share the gospel with the people we care about. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you right now, and God, I pray that you will give us a heart for sharing the gospel that you will help us to follow your Spirit's lead, to follow your Spirit's word, to follow your Spirit as an authority in our life as we think about sharing the gospel. God, we know there are so many people that we care about, that we love, that need to hear the gospel, that, that need Jesus and forgiveness and grace and heaven. And so, God, we pray that today you will speak to us about sharing the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's get started. Again, I, I, this is a bonus teaching at the end of this series where we've been talking about following the Spirit's lead. And today we're going to talk about how the Spirit leads us to share the gospel. And here's how it works. You know, we've talked about how David said that God leads us to good paths, to right paths, to the best path for our life. He's our shepherd. And when it comes to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, I am that good shepherd that David talked about. And when it comes to the words of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us scripture, gives us the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the one who led and guided the likes of Matthew. Matthew the Apostle, as he wrote the scriptures, the Holy Spirit gave us his word, gives us Jesus' word. And you know, there's an interesting thing about Jesus' teaching. There aren't too many times in the Bible where Jesus said, I have all authority, and so here's what I want you to do. I can't think of too many commands that Jesus gave, too many teachings that Jesus gave, where he started it by talking about his authority, uh, by talking about how, hey, I have all authority, and because I have all authority, I want you to do this. Now, when it comes to authority, sometimes there are people who, they, they, they say they have authority, and they really don't, and there are people who will try to boss us around and tell us what to do, and they don't have the authority, and we question it. I came across an old, old story about a government man one day who came to an old farmer. He was going to survey his land so that they could claim some of it for, uh, I guess it was like a roadway or something. And, and the government man came to this farmer and said, I need to go out into your field and survey. And the, <laughs> the farmer said, well, you, you better not. Uh, you can't do that. Well, he said, well, yes, I can. And he pulled out a piece of paper and showed it to that old farmer and said, this piece of paper says I have the authority to go out in that field and, and to survey. Well, the old farmer said, well, I, I still don't think you can do that. You, you shouldn't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a good idea. Well, that old government man, he said, that, well, I'm taking this piece of paper and I'm going to go do it whether you want me to or not. And so he climbed over the fence, went out to the middle of the field, set up his equipment, and he began to survey. And then he heard a loud noise. He heard, he, he heard the, the, the stomping of feet. He turned around and he saw this old bull heading his way. And the old farmer yelled out, I told you, you couldn't go out there. And the government man was panicking. And the farmer said to the government man, listen, uh, pull out your papers and show it to the bull. <laughs> well, some people, well, they, they might have a, a paper that says they have authority, uh, but they don't have anything to back it up when the bull comes. And yet when Jesus said, I have all authority, 
not only did he have that authority, but he had everything it took to back it up. Uh, Jesus is going to, we're going to turn to a verse today where Jesus is going to appeal to his authority. And he's going to declare that he has all authority. And the story of Jesus' authority, or, or the story leading up to this text to help us understand it, is, is that Jesus had incredible authority. In fact, as Matthew wrote in his book, in, in, in the book of Matthew, he really, in a lot of ways, set up his book to tell us about the authority Jesus had from the very beginning. At, in his genealogy, he tells us that Jesus is the Messiah. Then he gives us a genealogy to show us that Jesus is the heir to the throne of David. And so as a, as a Hebrew, he had authority. And, and Matthew will set up so that we understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy that one of David's heirs would have a throne that would last forever into all eternity, uh, kind of setting up for us the understanding that Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who will have all authority over all of God's universe. Jesus, as the Son, would have all authority over everything, and uh, and so when when Jesus when Jesus went through his ministry, we would see that Matthew would continually tell us about his authority. For example, when Jesus was baptized, God the Father would say from the the heavens, "This is my Son. Listen to him. He has authority." Uh, we would see that authority play out as he was born the Prince of Peace, as he was brought into this world miraculously by a virgin, as he would perform miracles and fulfill prophecy over and over and over again. And, and even in his resurrection, he would declare authority. Jesus has the papers and the power behind the papers, so to speak. And the word authority that Jesus is going to use in this passage this morning we're going to turn to is a word that not only carries having authority, but having 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 everything behind the authority, the power, the 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 the, the backing to his authority. It's a word that means to have the right and the ability to carry out that authority. Often it's used to refer to the sovereignty of God. When this word authority is used in scripture, it will come back to God's authority. And Matthew will use this word for authority as he tells the story of Jesus from the beginning to the end. When Jesus began his ministry, the crowds who heard him, they were amazed because God had given someone so much authority. Other times, people listening to Jesus teach would praise God because he had given Jesus that authority. Uh, Jesus taught that he had the authority to both heal and forgive sins. That's a unique authority for a human being. Uh, if he didn't really have it, it would have been blasphemy for him to claim to be able to do those things. Jesus he, he even taught that he had the authority to judge, and he would be the one to judge, and he had authority over life and death. He held the keys to, to Hades and heaven. Uh, he has this amazing authority. It was his authority that he gave to his disciples when he told them to go and drive out demons and to preach the gospel. It was his authority that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were continually challenging as he as he proclaimed that he had this authority. When they asked him for more miracles and more signs, often they backed that question up or that request up with, hey, Show us what you can do. Prove you have the authority. At one time he said, I'm done doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do any more for you until you see me resurrect from the dead. Then you'll know that I have all authority. And Jesus taught his disciples that he would use his authority differently than other kings and other rulers. He taught that he would practice his authority differently. And when it comes to his authority, 
Interestingly, he would use it to serve and to love rather than to be selfish. And when Jesus came to earth as the Messiah, the King, one of the things that he came to do was to claim all authority. You see, when the world fell into sin, it, it fell out of God's graces. It, it fell out of, so to speak, the, the kingdom of God. This world became a kingdom of darkness. And throughout Old Testament history, God uh, claimed a peace, claimed a spot, claimed a people who he would reserve for himself to continue to have kingdom influence in this world. And then when Jesus came, Jesus came to claim all people back to himself and to claim that authority that, well, that had fallen away. When people sinned, they gave Satan authority. They gave Satan influence in this world, so much so that Jesus would call Satan the prince of this world, and he would talk about how this world is being run by principalities and by powers and, uh, and by all kinds of other rulers. Now, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, we know that story, Jesus was tempted, and one of the things that Satan tempted Jesus with was he said, hey, bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Now, one thing people forget is that would not have been a temptation if it wasn't something Satan could have given him, at least a, a false version of what he would earn by going to the cross. If you were to look at a lot of the temptations of Jesus, a lot of those temptations were temptations to somehow acquire a cheap version of what he would acquire by going to the cross. And what, what we see there is Satan actually could have given Jesus something of an authority over this world. Uh, if he would do the will of Satan and follow Satan, he could have he could have gotten worldly influence that Satan has. He could have gotten all kinds of of uh, of influence that Satan has and but Jesus didn't give in to that temptation. What he said was this. Jesus answered to Satan, "Was away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only." And after Jesus stood strong against Satan, Satan left. It was sort of like Jesus showed the bull the <laughs> Jesus showed the bull the papers and then Jesus practiced the power of God. Satan was offering him a world, a world that he is winning, a world that, that would have given him a cheap version of what he would have received after his resurrection, after having given his life on the cross. But then Jesus instead went through with his ministry and went through with the suffering and rejection and, and the crucifixion. He went through with it, and then he rose from the dead, and afterwards the resurrected Christ declared to his disciples, all authority now has been given to me on heaven and earth. It's all been given to me. No longer do, is there any authority that, that is outside of the scope of my authority. And God the Father redeemed the world through him that he loves. And Jesus is given all authority by God the Father after he resurrects. And what Jesus says is by all this authority that I have served, lived, uh, that I have fulfilled prophecy, that I have uh, died for, and that I have resurrected to practice, all this authority is mine, and I in all this authority, I'm going to tell my followers, those who are being led by my spirit, to do something. And what he's going to say is go make disciples. What he's going to say is go build my church. What he's going to say is go build my kingdom. Which in the scriptures, the kingdom of God is the church, the people of God. The kingdom of God in this world is no longer a people group of by blood, but it's a people group who have who have received the Holy Spirit, been marked by the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God are the people of God, and he says to us, "Hey, 
this authority and this leadership that I now have, that I've died to claim, it's going to be your motivator, and, and it's going to be the thing that I'm going to appeal to you when I ask you to do this one thing. Uh, no other place I can think of do we see Jesus say, I have all authority now, so do this. But in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, here's what he says. It says in Matthew 28, Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The Father's given him all authority now. No longer is it considered that, uh, well, he won't consider equality with God uh, something not to be grasped, which was during his earthly ministry what we're told about Jesus. He humbled himself. No longer is he humbling himself. Now he's grasping. Now he's taking hold of the authority he's been giving. Therefore, he says, I have all authority. Therefore, and you might, if you have a Bible opened or your Bible app, you might circle that word, therefore. What that word means is that everything that's coming next is based on what I just said. What I just said is I have all authority. I'm crawling into the pasture of your life, and I'm claiming by all my authority that this is where I want to lead you by my Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the, uh, in the, name of the Son, and of the name of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And that's the mission that Jesus lays before us. You wonder, am I living out God's will? Am I living out God's purpose? Am I practicing walking on this right path that God has for me? Regardless of all your other decisions and choices and all the other paths you've been taking, this is a path, this is the path that God wants his followers to be on. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In some way, shape, or form, part, of our life, part of our path, if we're following God, if we're following the Holy Spirit, in some way, shape, or form, your life needs to have a place in it where you are helping the, the, the plan, the mission, the, the, uh, the kingdom building that God has in store for us. Somewhere, God has led you or is leading you. The Holy Spirit is leading you to share the gospel, to be a part of making disciples. And what I'd like to do this morning is just spend some time in this passage. And, and I want to talk about some truths about this mission that Christ gives us. Uh, the big points are very simple that we're going to talk about today. The big points are are very, very clear when it comes to reading through this text. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to obey Jesus. That's that, that's as simple as it gets, but I want to talk about where is God leading me, and where is God leading you when it comes to sharing the gospel. And the, the first point is this, that the Holy Spirit, as he guides us, down the path that God has for us, his good path, as the Holy Spirit guides us, he should be guiding us in some way, shape, or form to seek the lost, to look for lost people that we can share the message of Christ with so that they can be found. We get that from the word go. <laughs> the word go is simple. Go. Maybe you've said to your kids, they were, uh, they were in the house cooped up all day and you saw they needed to get out and do something. And, and as a mom, you said, go out of the house, go outside, go do something, you know. And, and Jesus is saying, I have all authority and here's what I'm going to say 
by the Holy Spirit to my followers. Go, get outside, do something that helps share the gospel with people who are lost. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. And sometimes we get confused when it comes to the church. And we start to think that uh, it's not our responsibility to go, but that it's the world's responsibility to come to us. You know, if they really want to seek God, they'll come. If they really want to know God, they'll come. If they really want to know Jesus, they'll come. Well, there's lots of people out there who don't know that they need Jesus. There's lots of people out there who have never heard the gospel, the total gospel, that Jesus came, that he was God in the flesh, that he wants to forgive our sin, that he wants to give us hope of heaven. You know, we live in a culture today that's not like cultures of uh, several decades ago. Uh, culture several decades ago, even people who didn't go to church knew something about the gospel. Uh, the world that we live in, our culture that we live in, was very saturated by Christianity. But today we live in a world where, where people, are, people are, are third and fourth generations, uh, kids uh, of families that haven't gone to church. They're, they're like four generations of unchurched people. Uh, they don't know the gospel, and so it's important for us to go. Go and share the gospel. We forget that it's our responsibility to go out there and not their responsibility to come to us. And, and there's something of a mental shift that needs to happen in, in believers' minds. There's something of a mental shift that needs to happen in our hearts to, to remind us that we're supposed to go. We're supposed to go to our family members that don't know Jesus, who are unchurched or who haven't made decisions to follow Christ. We're supposed to go and, and share with them. Uh, when it comes to our friends who don't know Christ or our co-workers or the people around us, even, even someone on a plane that doesn't know, we're responsible to go and to share Christ. We forget that, that Jesus, by his authority, said, get out there and, and, and start working on my mission. I recently had a, a friend ask me, why did you become a pastor? Now, I have all kinds of things that go into the answer for that question. Uh, but And I have a, a really long, complicated story that goes with it. Uh, I never had like some big moment, but what I would say to simplify it is this. When I became a Christian and realized that I could be forgiven and realized that God loved me, I thought there's a lot of people that need to know this and I want to spend the rest of my life sharing the gospel with people. That's a simple answer. That That's why I became a pastor. But here's the thing. I was lost, I was found, and I wanted to share it. No matter who we are and what our profession is, we should feel the same way, all of us. Maybe maybe you're not going to become a, a, a paid minister or paid pastor. It's not going to become your profession. But you, even as a, as a carpenter, as a fisherman, as a logger, as a... a as a white-collar worker, whatever it is you do, you should be saying, I know how much it meant to me to be saved. I know how much it meant to me to hear the gospel and to make the decision to accept the gospel, and I know what it did for me, and, and I want to share that with others who might need it too. And the Holy Spirit is leading you to do just that. The Holy Spirit wants to call you to become a goer, <laughs> to call you to become someone who shares. You know, I think one of the things that's happened in a lot of churches today is that we have started to approach church the way that we approach a lot of things. 
Uh, we have started to approach church with what I would call a consumer mentality. We consume church. We go to worship service and we consume the spirituality. We consume it. Maybe we go to the church we, we go to because we like it. Our friends are there. We consume a service. We watch it online and we consume some spiritual teaching and and, and we start to think of church as something we go to where we get something, but we're not really moving past a consumer mentality to a construction mentality. God wants us to be constructing and building, and God wants us to be working at sharing the gospel. And he wants all of us to be serving in that evangelistic mission. When I say the word evangelism, I simply mean when we share Jesus, when we go, when we go out there and we, we share Jesus with someone or when we go out there and, and, we, and, and we help someone come to know the gospel. And, and when we make the transition from I go to church to consume to I go to church to construct the kingdom of God, uh, we start to change our mentality. A lot of people who stay with that consumer mentality will start to think inwardly. The church body will start to think inwardly. The church body will start to think about, uh, am, when I go to consume worship, am I consuming the kind of music I want to consume? Uh, the church body will think about, when I go to church, am I, am I consuming in a building that I like? Am I consuming, is, the, is this the, the place that I like? Do I like the people? Do I like the things being said? Do I like, and, and everything we do, we're thinking about, what do I like? And, and a church that becomes inward thinking and consumer uh, and, and worships with a consumer perspective often finds that they decline. Uh, they, they start to lose people and new people don't come and new people don't say. Uh, the the people in those churches will say, hey, we're a friendly church. Hey, we we love people. And the truth is, though, if you were an outsider and you went to a church like that, you would still feel like an outsider. You might notice that they love people, but they only love their own people. And they're not really thinking outwardly. They're not thinking outside of the church building. They're not thinking of ways to, to share Christ with new people. Uh, they're they're not thinking about constructing or building the kingdom. They're kind of consuming church, consuming worship, all the while thinking it's other people's responsibility to come to them, not our responsibility to go and share. And it's just the opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to stop thinking inwardly and start thinking outwardly. And when I start thinking outwardly, I will, I will start praying for people regularly who I know don't know Jesus, who are unchurched. Now, when I say the word unchurched, I'm, uh, we could define that in all kinds of different ways. Usually it's somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. Usually it's somebody who hasn't made a first-time decision. Sometimes it might be someone that made a first-time decision, but they don't go to church anymore. And and there's something about following the Holy Spirit. And if I'm following the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be worshiping with a local church body. The Holy Spirit would lead me to do that. And so the unchurched might be some of those people. But you, you want to be praying for the unchurched you know, especially your unchurched family members. Pray that they will come to know Christ, that they will come to know Jesus. And, and on top of that prayer, sometimes we become the answer to that prayer by by going and speaking with those people, sharing the love of Christ with them, trying to lead them uh, to know about the, the faith in Jesus and what faith in Jesus could do for them and how they could come to know Jesus and know salvation and forgiveness and a new start and, and, and have the opportunity to follow Jesus to God's best for their life. And, and sometimes as we share 
we will practice that sharing in two different ways. Sometimes we'll practice it by actually saying, hey, I'd like to share Jesus with you. Would you meet me for coffee and sit down and, and, and I'd like to just share with you about God's love. Sometimes people will say yes to that. I had a friend years ago who invited a very good friend of his to go sit down and have coffee. And, and, and he said, I, I want to just share with you some stuff about God. Well, they sat down and they had coffee and he shared the love of Christ with that friend. And I wish I could say that that friend accepted Christ. but And he didn't. But here's what that friend said. I, I want to thank you for inviting me to do this. This is literally the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Wow. You could be surprised. He, he didn't accept Christ, and this was years ago, still hasn't accepted Christ. But the seeds were planted, and he was given an opportunity to know about Christ because a friend loved and cared enough to take him out for coffee and share. Now, not all of us feel comfortable doing something like that. And there's another way that we can share. Sometimes we can share by simply saying, hey, come and see, come in here. And, and it's easy. It's simply an invitation to come to church. You know, when Philip came to believe in Jesus, there's a story that the Bible tells us about how Philip went to tell his friend Nathaniel to come see this man. He's found the Christ. Now, Nathaniel was skeptical, but Philip just kept saying, hey, come and see. Hey, come and see. And sometimes that's what it takes. We invite someone to church, come and see. We, and, and for those who don't go to church, I don't know where they're inviting anyone to come and see. But uh, in here online, you can, you can share a message, hey, come and see. Uh, but I would encourage you, invite someone to church. That, that's a simple way to be a part of this gospel plan that God has for us. He says, by all authority that I have, I want to tell you to go. And sometimes you go and you say, hey, let's sit out and, and I'd love to share with you the message of God's love. If you know somebody who's in crisis, if you know somebody who's struggling, if you know somebody who, who's had a big change in their life, that's a great time to share with them, hey, Jesus wants to be with you through all of this. And another time is just when I want to invite someone to church. I, I just go and I say, hey, I'd like to invite you to come and see. Come to Vernonia Church and see what God might say to you. See what the gospel's all about. You know, come to Vernonia Church and come to our online teaching and see what, what Jesus is all about. How Jesus wants to love you, care for you, forgive you, give you all the blessings of heaven and to guide you by his spirit down the best path for your life jesus told us i have come i have come to seek and save the lost that was what he tells us was his greatest purpose in coming in person in luke chapter 19 10 it says this the son of man came to seek and save the lost. In Matthew 4 verse 16, the apostle Matthew writes this, when Jesus came, people living in darkness have seen a great light. He went to the dark place of this world, and he went to the dark places to find the lost. And as his disciples, he's saying to you and to me, listen, go into the dark places. Go to the places where you have family who are still living in darkness. Go to the places where you have friends who are still living in darkness. Go to, go to their places and share. Go to their places and invite. And so we're called to go. We're called to seek the lost. And I have a question for you if you want to practice this one just even right now. Where will you start seeking? Who are the lost in your family? That's a simple place to start. Just start thinking of names. Write them down. Start praying for them. Maybe start inviting them. Maybe invite them to coffee. Maybe share with them. But who are they? Who are the friends you know that 
that are in darkness, that are lost. Jesus said, go. Jesus wants you to seek those lost people. Start writing their names down and praying for them. I think all of us should have a list. I've got one in my office that I keep. It's a list of unchurched people I know. People who are family, people who are friends, people who are in this community. Uh, and I, I just start writing them down as I think about them. I, I write a new name down when I meet someone that that I think might be lost or, or that we talked and, 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 and I can tell they're lost or I can see they're lost. And I just start writing names down and, and praying for them. You might start a, a lost list <laughs> and just start praying for those people and maybe invite them. Invite them to Vernonia Church. Maybe invite them to your local church, wherever you go to church. Start seeking the lost. And number two is this. The Holy Spirit wants us and guides us to start sharing the gospel. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to share the gospel because the gospel is good news for lost people. The gospel's good news. That's what the word simply means. Gospel, it's a it's a Bible word that means good news. And it's good news, especially for the lost. Because when you're lost, there's no way to be found. There's no way to find yourself. There's no way to fix our problem with God. There's no way to fix our fix our our future by ourselves. But the good news is someone has already come to fix it. And we're called to share the gospel. And there's some things we're not called to do. We're not called to share ourselves, so to speak. When when we share the gospel with somebody, I, I think it's a good idea for us to share our story, but their story is going to be different. Their story is going to be a, a different story than your story. And, and while your story could be a good example, your main goal isn't to share yourself, it's to share Jesus. It's to share what Jesus can do for them, to share what Jesus has done for them, to share that what uh, to share that they have a decision to make, that they have a choice to make that will better their future. And sometimes, sometimes we can lose sight of the gospel and the good news of the gospel because we forget what's at stake. We forget the bad news. It's not, when it comes to sharing the gospel, it's not just about building a bigger church. It's not just about gaining numbers for numbers' sake. When we practice evangelism, that's not why we do it. Now, I care about numbers because I care about souls, and every number is a soul. And I, and I care about building a bigger church because as we build the church, which is what Jesus told us he wants us to do, he wants us to, to be about the work of the church. He's the head of the church, and, and we're the body, and he wants to lead the body to grow. A healthy body grows. It's not just about building numbers it's about reaching people who need christ and when we do that we realize that we're saving lost people we're saving lost people every person you invite to church every person you sit down and and share jesus with every person that you invite to a big day at vernonia church is potentially someone who will be saved from a path that leads to hell and they'll be saved to a path, God's good path, God's right path, that leads to heaven. Every first-time guest who comes to Vernonia Church is potentially a person who will know salvation. Each one is a gift where God says to us, I've brought you someone to hear the gospel. I've brought you someone to connect with Jesus. And it's important that we always have a mindset that looks outside of ourselves that looks outside of ourselves and our wants, ourselves and our desires, a mindset that has a servant's heart like Jesus had, a sacrificial heart like Jesus had to build his church. It's a matter of a soul coming to know eternal life or a soul being eternally lost. Talk about the right path. God's Spirit wants to lead you on a path that helps populate heaven. 
That's what it comes down to. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life, talking about people. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Every person you sit down and have coffee with and share Jesus with, or you sit down at their kitchen table, or, or you just share while you're out on a fishing boat with, or whatever it is, whenever you share, each person you share with is potentially a person who could come to know life to the full, the full kind of life that God had intended when he created them that's a big purpose god has a huge purpose for you every person you invite to vernonia church every person you invite could one day be in heaven could one day come up to you there and say i'm so glad and i'm so thankful that you invited me because that invitation is why i'm here with you in eternity that's huge. It's a matter of, of eternal life. In John chapter 3, verse 36, it says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Without Him, we're all lost. But with Him, we're found. And none of us would have this hope of eternal life if someone didn't share the gospel with us. We'd all simply be lost. There's an old story about Einstein, that old scientist, he was known to be a really smart guy, but he was also known to be somewhat absent-minded. And one time he was on a train and, and he was preoccupied with what he was doing and thinking about his work. And the guy who was collecting the tickets came by and Einstein couldn't find his ticket and he started to get really concerned and really worried. Now the the, the ticket collector there, he said, well, don't worry about it. I know who you are, Mr. Einstein. Don't worry about it. And he still kept persisting, looking for that ticket and and uh, and getting really worried and worked up over it. And again, the ticket guy said, listen, don't worry about it. I know who you are. I mean, look at your hair. I, I got it. You're Einstein. No big deal. And Einstein said, well, it is a big deal. It's not that it's not that I don't know who I am, and it's not that I don't have a ticket, because I do. It's that I don't remember where I'm going. <laughs> well, sometimes uh, we can be like that. And without Jesus, we don't know where we're going. Without Jesus, we're lost. It comes down to that old question that we all, we all should ask. If I were to die tonight, where would I go? Heaven or hell? And there's lots of people that say, well, I've been a good person. I really hope I go to heaven. But the problem is, as Jesus taught and the scriptures teach, that being a good person has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven or not. Because the only thing that measures us up to being able to go to heaven is believing in Jesus and following him. He's the only way. Jesus taught that. I'm the only way, the truth, the life. That's it. I'm the only way. No one gets to the Father but through the Son, Jesus said. And it's, and it's so important to Jesus that we get that message out that he said, all authority has been given to me. I have it all and I want you to go. I've done everything I can do, but now you do your part in spreading this message to the world. When Jesus preached... He taught that the good news is such good news because there's real, real bad news. There's real bad news. We often forget. We, we like to talk about the, the nice things Jesus taught about or the feel-good things Jesus talked about. And we forget that Jesus talked about real hard stuff. When Jesus preached, he talked about things like hell, talked about eternal punishment, he referred to the lost. He talked about how there's a road to destruction and more people will be going down that road than will be going down the road to life. He talked about God's wrath and, and he was clear about it. And, he, and when he talked about those things, he didn't talk about them as if they were metaphors. He didn't use them in ways that make you think he was just using a scare tactic. No, he talked about them as just as much a reality 
as heaven. And if you think about what God did to offer us the only way to heaven, you can see how important God thinks this issue is. I mean, he came to our earth, became one of us. That's a big deal. And then he suffered and died on a cross to offer us the only way of forgiveness and the only way to be made right with him and the only way to heaven. And then he rose from the dead, putting an exclamation mark at the end of the whole story. He did all that to give us a way of salvation. That's how important it was and how real it was to him. And he tells us that he is the key. He's the key. Without this key, without Jesus, we don't have hope of heaven. Without Jesus, we don't know where we're going. We're lost. If I were to die tonight, where would I go? There's another question we might ask as believers. You know, we talked about making a list of the lost. And we could ask this question, if they were to die tonight, will they have died hearing that they could be found from me? Will I have missed my opportunity to share with them? Will their blood be on my hands? Will, 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 it, will it be partially my mistake if I missed sharing with them? One of our goals should be, when it comes to that list, to be able to say, if, if they were to die tonight, I shared with them. I prayed for them. I cared for them. And at least they didn't die without hearing it first or hearing it from me. God wants us to be about the business of going because it's serious business. It's important. His Holy Spirit wants to lead us to share the gospel one time Jesus was talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus who came to him at night and was asking him all kinds of questions. Questions like, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus told him in John chapter 3 verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And what he meant by that is unless God makes him new through the blood of Christ, unless God makes him new and, and renews him, unless he's made new, given new life by him who comes to bring us new life. And here in Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. Now, a disciple simply is someone who follows Jesus, who calls Jesus their teacher, and they are, their, they are the student. That was a word that was used to talk about a teacher and a student. And Jesus said, my disciples are the ones who follow me. And, and so he says, go make disciples. Go help people follow me. Go tell people about me. Go, go, go be about the business of helping people hear about me, know about me, come to me so that I can save them. And one of the things that that I think is a good question to ask when it comes to this is, am I on the path of sharing the gospel? If I want to be on God's good path, that's a path I need to be on. I could share the gospel in all kinds of ways, but a, an important question we might ask is this. Are there people who are following Jesus that I can think of because I shared with them? Have I ever went and shared Jesus with somebody? Have I, have I invited people to church? Can I look around the church body of the, of the church I go to and see people who are there because God used me to invite them? If you could say yes to that, then you've been on the path that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you down. You've been on God's good path. You've been, you've been sharing but if you can't think in all these years of people that maybe you've shared with, if you can't think of a person that might go to church because you invited them or that you, you were a part of, of, of inviting them, then maybe, maybe you need to get going.
<laughs> Maybe you need to get thinking about going and sharing with the lost and sharing the gospel. You know, last week I had a lady come up to me uh, and say, Hey, at church, will you share with the church body that my son-in-law got baptized? She was so excited. They'd been praying for her son-in-law. They'd been sharing Jesus with her son-in-law. And not long ago, her son-in-law said, I want to accept Christ. I want to get baptized. And so they had a baptism in their family. They they went out to the river, and, and she actually got to baptize her son-in-law, which was exciting for her. She, she was thrilled about it, and she wanted me to announce it to the church body. And that was exciting. Uh, when you think of the lost people in your life, or when you think of where God's Spirit has led you, has God's Spirit ever used you to baptize someone? You know, Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them. And one of the reasons I think he said to baptize them is because baptism is one of the last first next steps we take. What I mean by that is this. There are some first steps in faith that God wants us to take when we say yes to Jesus. As believers, we've all taken these steps. If you haven't taken a step, then maybe you might think about kind of filling in the gaps. But the Bible will teach us that the first steps of faith are things like believing in Jesus. That's the very first one. We believe in him and trust in him. And then we confess our faith in him to somebody, to a church body, to a pastor, to a friend, to a mother-in-law. And then we decide we're going to repent. We repent. We, we turn from our own life and start following God. We turn from our old gods. We turn from our old idols. We turn from looking to other things for our purpose and direction in life, and we start looking to God for it. That's what the word repent means. And so we begin that repentance process, and then we get baptized. We get baptized in the name of Jesus. In fact, when we see what what Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You could almost circle that word in the, <laughs> in your Bible. What that means is getting baptized, proclaiming, this is it. I'm in with God. I'm in with Jesus. It means it's a personal decision. It means it's a it's the last step in the first steps of faith that we take. Now, it's not the last step in faith we take, because after that, we continue to walk with Jesus and grow, and we continue to repent, and we continue to find uh, God's good path for our life. But it's the last of the first next steps. And in, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul will tell us that that's where our new life in Christ really begins. In Romans 6, 3, it says this, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. There's something symbolic that happens when we're baptized. In the Bible, the word baptized means to be, to be buried in water. And that's why we at Vernonia Church, when we baptize people, we we put them all the way down in the water because there's a symbolism there. He says you were baptized into his death. It's like you've been buried with him. You, you made a personal decision that you believe that you want to repent. You're ready to confess Christ. And now you're going to do it visibly through baptism. And uh, you were baptized into his death, Paul says in Romans 6.3. Then he says we were therefore buried with him through this baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And our calling is to preach the gospel to our family, to our friends, to this community. And our calling as a church in Vernonia is to preach the gospel, the love of Christ, what he has done, and what he calls us to do to receive it. 
to lead people to make decisions, first-time decisions to believe, to make decisions to make him Lord, to make decisions to get baptized, and then to teach them to obey Jesus and to follow Jesus on this right path. And God says to us, his believers, now go by all my authority, go make disciples. Go do this. And truth number three about this call is we were all called to serve this cause. Now I had what I would say my moments of decision that led me to feel like I was called to ministry. But even before I felt like I was called to ministry, I felt called to share Jesus. All of us should feel called to share Jesus. All of us should feel led, being pushed, being dragged, being, being encouraged by the Holy Spirit to share Jesus and to serve the cause of sharing Jesus. I love. There's this story that I love. It's a story of a man who sacrificed and, and and served to help someone he cared about and someone he loved. His name was France. Uh, France wanted to study art and go to Nuremberg to study art and to become an artist. And France had a friend who also wanted to do that, but his friend couldn't afford to go. And, and neither one of them could really afford to go on their own to study art. And so they kind of made a pact with each other. One of them would go and the other one would stay and work to pay the other's way through art school. And so they drew lots to find out uh, who would do that. And the plan was that after the one finished school, then they would switch. Well, France ended up losing and the lots and, and his job for the first time around was to work so that his friend could go and study and become a great artist. Well, he worked and he worked and he worked until his friend had finished school so that he could pay his friend's way through school. What, a, what an amazing friendship that must have been for him to do that. But the problem was, while he worked, he worked his hands to the bone. By the time his friend had finished school, uh, he had worked so hard that his hands had become twisted and his hands had become uh, painful. And, and he must have been doing some really hard work <laughs> to get his friend through school because his hands were, were never going to be able to make the delicate paint strokes of a fine artist again. Well, but he didn't have a problem with that. He was actually glad that he was able to serve his friend and help his friend and to be there for his friend so his friend could become a great artist. Well, one day his friend saw France praying and he had those hands together, those twisted and gnarled hands and those fingers that that hurt were, were together as he prayed. And he quickly grabbed a grabbed a pad and he sketched out his friend's hands. And that drawing eventually became, or that sketch eventually became the drawing that we know as the praying hands, a very famous picture. And that picture represents the sacrifice a friend makes for another friend, the service that a friend makes for another friend. And it's also come to symbolize the sacrifice Christ made for us. He's given his life for us. He's given everything for us. He came to die on a cross to give us life, to give us hope. And he calls us to go and to share what he has done. Maybe in sharing, we won't work our hands to the bone. But maybe in sharing, we'll put ourselves out there. And we'll sacrifice our comfort zone and we'll step outside of our box and we'll stop thinking inwardly and start thinking outwardly. As we think about those we love who need to hear the gospel. Where's the Spirit leading? Well, the Spirit's leading all of us who are following him to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus and I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. 
to ask yourself, where's God's Spirit leading me? Who is God's Spirit leading me to? Is God's Spirit leading me to make an invite? Is God's Spirit leading me to pray and to share with somebody? And who is it? Let's pray together and invite God's Spirit to lead us to share the gospel. Father in heaven, we come before you and we do pray that you will lead us to share the gospel, that you will lead us to understand that by your authority, you are calling each one of us to go, to go and share the love of Christ with family, with friends, with people in our community, people that we rub shoulders with regularly who are lost who are living in darkness, and who need to see the great light that is Jesus Christ. And so, God, we pray, lead us to pray for friends. Lead us to open doors to share with our friends. Lead us as we invite people to come and hear about Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, Amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me today for our online uh, online uh, teaching time. And I'm so glad that you joined us. I'm so uh, thankful that you choose to come be with us as we get into God's Word together. And I pray that God will be blessing you and leading you by His Spirit. I want to finish up today by declaring it's been a great day. And on the count of three, let's declare it's been a great day. And I hope you have a great week. All right, you ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.